Good evening. He's across the tracks. Good across evening. the tracks. Hey, March the 16th, 2020, the day before St. Patty's Day. And, you know, like we were, we were talking off air, neither one of us are Irish or we're Catholic. So we won't probably be wearing green tomorrow or anything. And now that you got to stay away from people, nobody will be pinching you this year. <laughs> And the bars are closed, so uh, restaurants, bars, bars, and the parades that usually take place uh, for St. Patrick's Day. I doubt if they're going to be happening, so it's going to be pretty dull this year. Pretty dull. Yeah. Pretty dull. I yeah. know the stock stock market is down, but Netflix stock is up. Big time, man. My four one k is taking a beating, man. Yeah, I think you have time to get it back. You know, mine's mine's where it's at, and uh, I, I, since I'm retired, yeah. I, I looked the other day, and I'm like, I was doing pretty good, and I'm like, man, I lost almost fifty thousand dollars, man. Yeah, don't even look at it. Jeez. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> hurt my head, man, hurt my head. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, interesting times in which we find ourselves. Uh, tonight's broadcast. So, what do you got for tonight? Well, we have a few things. We got a few things going on. I think there's a little thing out there called Corona Virus. Yes. Going to talk yes. about that a little bit, which most of the world's dealing with now. America has started taking it seriously, yes. and I think we want to. And, and a lot of things that we'll talk about in tonight's podcast will kind of springboard off of that. And, you know, we can take different avenues from that. So uh, talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, Democratic primaries, those two things for sure. And I think we'll just kind of be a little bit fluid from uh, what we've talked about before and how this is going to go tonight, because it's going to branch off like uh, arms of an octopus. It can go eight different directions, man. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, quite, quite interesting on um, the world of today with this coronavirus thing going on out there. Absolutely, man. It is, um, again, like you say, um, America is starting to take it serious now, even after all the, uh, you know, our, our the occupant, uh, in 1600 Pennsylvania at Pennsylvania Avenue for the longest time, this was a hoax, you know. Oh and, yeah, uh, it was a hoax, and uh, you know his pundits were, uh, you know, you know spreading that crap as well that this was something designed to to get rid of him, and all the time they were out there, you know, hoaxing and putting out false narratives. The virus is coming, and it came, and it is here. And it has unleashed itself full force on this country. And now all these people, their tune has changed. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure uh, if this current administration is up to the task. Uh, as we saw the other night, <clears throat> excuse me, in his press conference, he takes no responsibility for it. Yeah. You know? He takes no responsibility for it. And as my wife and I were talking, if you if you think back uh, Bill Clinton, when Bill Clinton was in office, he had the HN, uh, what was it, the H1N1, yes. uh, the flu. I didn't see him blaming it on his predecessor. Uh, Bush, 9-11, and Katrina, I didn't see him blaming anything from the fallout from that on his predecessor. And Obama had so many disasters, uh, BP oil spill, he had Ebola. I didn't hear him not one time blame that on his predecessor. So... This 
goes to show you the people who put their faith in this guy. This guy is a coward. He will not accept responsibility for nothing. And his famous, his two famous things are, I had nothing to do with that. It's somebody else's fault. And I don't know these people. He never knows (laughs) anybody. You know, he never knows anybody. So the country finds itself in the position that it's in, not being totally prepared because the current occupant um, isn't providing the leadership that's required. Instead of stepping up to the plate, he's abdicating that responsibility and putting the blame on other people for it. So, right, right, right. And, and the other thing, Wayne, that goes along with this is the fact that he lies so damn much right. that you don't know what's coming out of his mouth is the truth Absolutely. or not. So You're the right. people— the people that follow him say that, well, he's telling the truth. It's got to be a hoax. It's got to be the lamestream media. It's got to be, you know, people just trying to get him out of office to make him look bad. So they're, they're trying to impeach him again and all of that kind of crap. So now when and, and he himself, because he wants to make paint everything all rosy and everything. Oh, there's a. There's 15 cases, and by this afternoon, there'll be five cases, and it's going to be gone. You know, it's going to be gone. It's going to disappear just like it just faded in. It's going to fade out. And then he comes out with another press conference, and he's, once again, he's more concerned about paying Wall Street. He's more concerned about him making money than he is concerned about helping the people and the citizens of this country out. He is, he is, as you mentioned, he is no leader. I mean, and I I don't want to, I don't want to bad mouthing too much, but he's a terrible guy. Right. Right. And the decisions that he's making, you know, I, I, I find it difficult to listen to his press conferences because you're going to sit there and listen to him for 30 words and you just wasted, I mean, 30 minutes and you just wasted 30 minutes of your life because all he's done is double talk. Right. He's talked about nothing. Right. And and, and you, yeah. And, and you said, you know, you, you don't want to bash, bash somebody all the time, but he just provides continuous opportunities for you to do so. I mean, you, you can't believe a word this guy says And as Cynthia and I, my wife said, the bottom line is this guy, he is a terrible human being, period. He is a terrible human being. I do not know what his upbringing was like because I don't know what he was taught in his home as to how you treat people, how you talk to people, how, you know, this type of thing. It didn't matter. Yeah. you, You can tell he's lacking something that makes you want to say, you know what, yeah, this guy's not so bad. But with him, it's like, man, he's just a terrible person. And he, no empathy, um, no no, no soul, man. He has no soul. Right, so right. here we are at a critical time in the, in, in, in the country. You've got a pandemic going on, a global pandemic going on, and the individual in charge of making sure that the country is prepared and the country is getting what it needs from where you're supposed to be. The, the White House is the center of the government. You're supposed to be getting guidance from that person sitting in the chair in the Oval Office. We're not getting it from there. 
It's the governors and the mayors. They're the ones who are taking the lead in getting things done for the people in their cities because the government has has been out lollygagging and goofing off and not paying yeah. attention to things. They've been negligent because been negligent. the simple Absolutely. fact that he, he can't uh, – go any further than what's at the tip of his nose. Right. You know, he wants to paint everything all rosy and everything is good. He's he's given himself a 10 out of 10 today in the news conference. They said, well, Mr. Mr. Uh, occupant, uh, <laughs> if you had to grade yourself, what would you give yourself a, a, on a scale from 1 to 10? What would you give yourself? He's at a 10. <laughs> go back. Oh go God. back and look at it. He said, I'm going to give okay. myself a 10. You He's a damn fool. He's an idiot, man. Kidding me? You have got to be kidding me. He says I'm gonna give myself a ten. Wow, wow, wow. And so, yeah. and and going back to what you said earlier is that you can tell that he grew up as a spoiled brat. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything in his life was given to him. He didn't have to work for anything. Right. And so, seeing that his 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 parents allowed him to be that way you, you don't change your stripes overnight no nope. so he's always going to be that way he's never going to have empathy for anything or anybody no nope. you know and, and yeah and it's and, and some people you know i think some people sometimes you 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 can some people can fake being sincere about things they're pretty good at doing that but with him he opens his mouth man and you're like Dude, don't don't even bother because we can we can tell from your body language. We can tell from the way you're talking. You don't care about anything that's going on with this situation that you should care about because, quote, you're the leader of the free world and you're supposed to be able to, one, go someplace, talk off the top of your head about an issue and and show that hey I'm 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 here with you people I'm down with you I can understand your pain I can understand he can't do that and he, and he talks like a fifth grader his vocabulary is not that vast and it's like dude you're an embarrassment man every time he opens his mouth it's an embarrassment for this country so well, the, so there's, there's people around him this this Fuchi guy the little yes. short guy Fucci, yeah. yeah he, yeah, he Fuchi Fauci. I, I can't think of how he pronounced his name, yeah, Fauci, but he's Fauci. good. He, he's he's yeah. he's telling us what we need to do. You know, I mean, the the United States in the past week has gone from okay, um, this thing is real, and finally, the the Fox News Network has has bought into that this is not fake news, as you mentioned before. Right. And so now that we have to come through these, these protocols, you know, you're not supposed to travel here. Everybody is, is gone to, you know, not shaking hands and, you know, doing elbows and all that stuff. I tell you, this is kind of funny. We, uh, the fraternity that I'm doing, they had a service, we had a uh, service project on Saturday. And so we were out, you know, cleaning up this area, what, whatever. So instead of shaking hands, when people walked up to me, I gave them the Wakanda salute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wakanda forever. That's, that's good. I, I, that's that's a good one. That's that good is one. that is a good one. You know, give them the Wakanda salute. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so doing that. <laughs> so so anyway, I mean this. Fauci guy, uh, he's saying that, you know, you shouldn't be in a, a crowd of, 
you know, 50 or more, you know, you shouldn't do this or do that. You know, now today with this press conference, they're saying it's down. You shouldn't be in more with more than 10 people. Right, right. You know, now uh, the governor of New York, Cuomo, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, that, you know, he is taking it upon himself that we have to do these things because he knows good and damn well the federal government is not going to help. And if they are going to help, it's going to be too damn late to help right, because right. because the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue for the past three weeks have said, oh, there's nothing to it. And so right. as as those days and weeks has gone by, more and more people are becoming affected. Right. And hell, we don't, the biggest thing is that they're talking about getting tests. Well, you can't test everybody. You test people with symptoms, but you don't even have the test to even get out there to check right. people with, right. with the right. symptoms. Right. You know, uh, I was watching this morning. Um, there was a guy that was on um, the impeachment um, hearings, the guy that was a prosecutor for the House, the um, majority side. I can't think of his last name, but he lives in New York and he came down. I don't know if you heard this or not, but he came down with the virus. He said he was sweating profusely. He was feeling kind of, you know, kind of bad. He had, a, had developed a cough. He went to the uh, emergency room and they set him in a bed out in the hallway for six hours with mm -hmm. a mask on. And they said all these people were walking up and down the hallway where he's at. He was just trying to get a test to see if he had the wow. virus. And so he was, you know, sitting out in this hallway for six hours and people was passing by him and so on. So he eventually said, hell, I'm getting out of here. He goes to Connecticut, goes to a drive up place and gets tested for the virus, and lo and behold, he's tested positive for the virus, and his wife is tested positive for the virus. Man. And there was no, the, the big issue was that there was no test kits. There are no test kits. I mean, you think of a, a country of 300 million people, and there's only 400 or 500 test kits out there, and yeah. I mean, the incompetence that has been going on is just outstanding. It's, it's phenomenal. Right. Hell, the World Health Organization says, we have these test kits. You can come and get them. You, they're yours. And right. that dumbass at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue says, oh, no, we don't need that. We yeah. will do our own. Yeah. So, so he's so arrogant and so yeah. ignorant yeah. that someone is offering the United States these test kits and he turns them down. What a damn fool. Yeah. And, and, you know, something we talked about before we came on air, the organization that was set up uh, during the Obama administration to deal with this was dismantled by his administration. And uh, I think it was the uh, Yamish Alcindor uh, called him on that the other day in the, in the press conference. You know, she asked, you know, why did your administration dismantle that organization that was set up to deal with infectious diseases, pandemics, et cetera? And he passed the buck. He said, oh, this guy did it. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, man, he will throw people under the bus so quick. But he dismantled that organization and he did it primarily because Obama did it. And, and here we are 
we'd have an organization in place. We would probably have the infrastructure in place, testing the whole nine yards to deal with this. But he is so damn petty. And he's got a hard on for Obama or something, man. I don't know what it is. Well, when Obama made fun of him at that correspondence dinner, (laughs) he never got over that. He never got over that. And so anything that Obama has done, you can see it. I think I think the first after he was sworn in and they they went to all the balls and the parties, whatever. The next day, he probably told somebody as his staff, give me a list of everything that that Obama did. Give me everything he did. I'm going to systematically dismantle it. Every one of them. And here we are, the organization that would that would be dealing with this for the country doesn't exist because he's so freaking petty and got rid of it. So it's we're playing catch up now. And I think Fauci, uh, he, he's great, but I think he was being muzzled early on right. because, because the occupant didn't want the real story coming out about, hey, this is bad. But he's so concerned about himself and his cronies. Um, you know, he, he, he gave a unrealistic picture of what was going on to the country. And now we're in the position we're in. And it's it's unfortunate. It's sad. And I hope people really see the 30 the something percent uh, of his base that voted for him, the 53 percent of white women that voted for him. I hope you all see now what an idiot this guy is. And what he has done, he hasn't done anything for three years except dismantle Obama policies, lie every day. And now he's got the country in a position where a lot of people are going to get sick. Some people may die from this because he didn't pay close enough attention to it. Well, the other thing, the other thing that goes along with this is that people around the world has figured out that we are going to do what. What's best for our economy based on what he says. Correct. And if you remember uh, a week and a half ago, the stock market started started plunging. And then after uh, a, a couple of weeks, he started figuring out that this thing is real. And he goes, well, we better do something about it. And then the stock market started going up, going back up. Still below where it was when it started, but the market started to go back up. It rebounded for a day. So he comes out with another press conference. I mean, he he hardly ever gives press conferences because he's such a bad person. He's such a bad speaker. Mm -hmm. They don't have any press briefings or whatsoever. The closest thing that they do is he gets on his helicopter and everybody gets out there and they scream questions at him. But in the past week and a half or two weeks, he's been trying to give these press conferences to really cover his ass because he's such a terrible leader. Yep, that's all and, it is. And the market yesterday started down. I mean, uh, Friday, it, it dropped 7%. The market opened up today. Within five minutes, they shut the market down to get calm heads, you know, from right, selling right. off too much. Right. Open it back up and it continued to go down. I think it lost like a 10% today, 9 or 10%. So right. the market is in free fall right now. Yeah. And it's all because of his policies, him not dealing with 
this situation with this virus that's around the world, this pandemic. Yeah. He he's he's such a terrible manager, and he doesn't want to take advice from anybody because he knows it all. That he's he's pulling us all down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll he'll take advice from his son-in-law. He'll take advice from his daughter. Um, and, and Pence, uh, the former governor of your great state there, yeah. who, who he is another one, man. I, I just like I, I can't stand to look at him anymore either, because, dude, you and you, 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 you endorse a lot of the crap that this guy's doing. Yeah. And he's a and, suck up. Yeah. And you tout yourself as this holier than thou individual who supposedly has principle to stand on. But you've endorsed every dirty and underhanded thing this guy yeah. has done and said about people. You've endorsed it. So I, I'm just like, man, we need to have a house cleaning. We need to have a house cleaning. And on January the 21st, the U-Haul needs to be fired up, ready, pack his shit up, and get him out of here. <laughs> you know, get rid of him, man, because we cannot take four more years of this foolishness, man. No, we, we cannot. You can't do it. You know, it's 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 weird that you say that. You know, January twenty first, pack his pack his shit up. <laughs> or January the January the twentieth, pack his shit yeah. up and go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. in in two thousand nine, when um, uh, Obama was sworn in, Lynn and I was in uh, D.C. Okay. for the for the largest crowd, right? Wow, you guys were there. Okay. Yeah, we were there. And it's wow. it's, a, it's kind of a, a weird story. We were we did not make it onto the mall because it we started too late. Okay. And, and there the crowd was so big that we were staying with a fraternity brother of mine in who lives in DC. And I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and there were people going in there. They were running to get oh. in there. Wow. And so we we took off about 6 a.m. to get there. I mean, this is, you know, six hours before the ceremony. And it was colder than shit. <laughs> oh, my God, it was cold. Wow. And we got to one point and there were so many people trying to get through security that we were there for probably two and a half hours before we even got close to the checkpoint. And we said, man... You know, we love you. This is going to be a great thing, but we're going over here to this bar and warm up <laughs> and and watch this this on TV. And that's what we did. Well, here's the weird thing. We were sitting, and I've got pictures of this. We were sitting there uh, at this bar, you know, and, you know, he was sworn in, and uh, George W. was taken off in Marine One helicopter, so I went outside to get something from the car and George W. Bush's helicopter flew right over the tavern. Wow. I mean, it flew. It was just about treetop level. It flew and it kind of hovered there just for a second. Man. And there's another and there's another lady that was out there at the same time. And I and you could I could literally see his face or people's face in the helicopter. That's how close they were. Wow. And this lady that was uh, next to me was going and she turned around and said, hey, see ya. <laughs> 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 and she said and she flipped him off <laughs> uh -uh. and he, he took off. 
Wow. Like you said, on, on hopefully on January the 20th, he can pack his crap up. That's right, man. And get have, out of there. Have the U-Haul, a pod or something, man, ready ready there at the White House to pack his crap up and get him you know, wherever the hell he's going, Mar-a-Lago he's or going wherever. going to Mar-a-Lago. But uh, we, we can't take four more years of this, man. It's One, the country, we, we, we look like we're an embarrassment to the rest of the world. And it's simply because of him. And he's alienated our allies. He treats them like crap versus treating dictators like they're his best buds that they've been hanging on the block together for years, <laughs> like they grew up together and whatnot. And, and it's it's an embarrassment, man. And, and you can tell the stature of the U.S. has fallen, you know, in the in the eyes of the world. Nobody really cares about us anymore because no, we don't lead we don't lead on anything we don't lead anymore and so i remember as plain as day the whole eight years that obama was in office knucklehead was constantly saying he's the worst president we've ever had he's this he's this i mean all kind of you know nasty comments or whatnot but you know who's going to go down in history as the worst president in the history of the united states it's him yeah. He is going to go down as the worst president this country has ever had. And it's not because, um, you know, you had decent people around you, but you, as you said, you're a terrible manager and you're a terrible person. And and those two don't mix. When you're in a position of leadership, you've got to have some empathy for people. You've got to care about the needs of people. You've got to subjugate your needs for the bigger thing, man. And he can do that. He was never taught that. And you're on the biggest stage there is. And it shows you never received any home training on how to treat people and how to lead people. You know, you've been an executive for who knows how long, but it's quite apparent that you have never led anybody. And you, you know, you're, you're just a terrible person. So he knows about sitting on a golden throne, but he doesn't know anything about the golden rule. Right, right, right. He he did not get that lesson. And I, I'm like, man, I, some days I feel sorry for him because, <laughs> yeah. because I wonder, like, man, what was your freaking home life like to where you you don't have any soul? You have no soul that you can't empathize with anyone and you, you trash people and you demean people and you call people names who are in positions of authority within the government or wherever, and you call them names, and a lot of them have racial overtones with it. Oh, yeah. You know, speaking of of that, if you've noticed, and I've noticed this quite often, is that when he does come out and he has a little press conference or whatnot, and he takes questions, anytime a black female journalist asks him a question, he always says something negative about that journalist. Absolutely. Have you have you noticed that? Absolutely. He, Cynthia and I noticed that we we he, talked it the other day. <laughs> yeah, when he when he said that was a disgusting question or that was a stupid stupid question. He yeah. only does that to black women, and I don't know where that comes right. from. Yeah, he you only know, does that to black women. Yeah, he and, he. He has that. There's something some black lady has turned him down or something that he has got this hang up about 
black women and maybe uh, the the power that they have, the independence that they have. I'm not sure what it is, but he does not like black women. Yeah, I, I think that's you're on to something there because he did it to April Ryan all the time. Yes. And April Ryan is a, she is she's a top notch journalist, but he always had something negative to say about April Ryan or say to her. Yeah. Now your Michelle Cinder is on the scene, another top notch journalist. And all she did, she had the question she asked was straight up. Why did you dismantle that entity that was set up to deal with what we're dealing with? And his comment is always, well, that was a nasty question. Yes. You know, what's nasty about it? What's nasty about it? And and, and Cynthia and I said, do you notice he always has something to say to black women that is is not professional or is not cordial? It's always with the black women journalist. And I I don't know what it is. I do not know what 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 is that? Yeah. yeah. So um, he is just man. I just. We can beat this horse till it's dead. Yeah, we can. We're gonna we're gonna he, change the subject here real he quick. Just, he's just a terrible human being, and <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and that's how you got to put it, man. He's just right. a terrible right. human being. So well, let's let's segue into the changes that has been uh, adapted or suggested by the CDC and Doctor Fauci and so on. Look what's happened. Uh, when this thing first happened, they said, uh, basically, you shouldn't be in large crowds. OK, I understand that. And then uh, the occupant basically uh, says that everybody, we're going to come up with a travel ban. People from Europe, except uh, England or the United Kingdom. And then anybody that comes back from into the United States, from Europe and China, whatever, they're going to have to go through screening and so on. And then you're not supposed to be in these crowds. Well, yesterday you had four or 5,000 people in JFK all in a big crowd because they were trying to be screened. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was uh, O'Hare. O'Hare. Well, it was O'Hare, O'Hare JFK, <laughs> Dallas, yeah. and I think Hartsfield was, went pretty quick. Yeah, you had thousands of people that were waiting to be screened because he they weren't smart enough to figure out that well okay we're gonna take all these people coming in if you if your uh, last name begins A through E you go to this gate or uh, H through J you go to this gate or K through M you go to this gate and that spreads them out. Right, well, right. they just had they just had one little room, one little area where all these people, thousands of people were just sitting there. And if they had the virus, they're just spreading it among themselves. Yep. Yep. So that's that's a one of the the issues that developed. You can't be near anybody. They went from don't get on planes. Uh, you can't have people of more than 250. This was a week and a half ago. 250 people or more. Then on Friday, it was 50 people or more. And then today, they announced you can't have a group of more than 10. Yep. And then yep. restaurants and bars were, are to be uh, kind of closed. So the governors and the mayors have basically said that, hey, we're going to close our restaurants and bars. And you have to come up with a way of 
taking care of those people. You know, he they don't think of they didn't think about how do you pay those people that are hourly wages. Right, right. Okay, right. so and you know, I'm on the school board in Prairie Township. Teachers are salaried people, and we have a whole bunch of people that are hourly. So we had to come up on, um, let me think of it, it was Friday. We had to have a special school board meeting to um, pay the salaried workers because the mayor basically shut the schools down, all the Marion County schools down for three weeks. And our township's not going on spring break until this Friday. So all those salaried workers would go a week without pay. Wow. So we had to pass resolution in order to pay them for this week because they wouldn't be any pay because they had to stay home. Right. So right. if if he would have put left those things in place, those things could have been could have been an easy fix. So right. the mayors and governors had to take take those issues up because of that. Right. And you, and you see a lot of, you know, this, you know, a lot of things have been, you know, postponed, you know, no, no March madness this year. No. Uh, the basketball. NBA, basketball is done. How, everything. College, college, all the sports are, yep. they're done. Just yep. think about the input of the yeah, impact right. Right. of all the people that work those venues. And, and most of America are in the service industries. Right, right. You know, it's it's really cool that a lot of your high profile players, you know, especially in the NBA, a lot of your high profile players have actually kicked in money to pay the arena staff, you know, the people that work those games, because now they're not going they're not going to be getting a salary. They're not going to be getting paid. So a lot of the players have actually kicked in like, hey, you know, we want to do what we can to make sure these folks still have money coming in. I think that's very admirable for them to do that. But the amount of money that is going to be lost across the country from March, March Madness alone, you know, the venues where those games are going to be played, the Final Four and everything. I mean, yeah, we have never seen anything like this, uh, that, you know, everything is coming slowly to a grind. Right. And uh, is is I, I don't know if America's ready for this. I don't know. We may not be ready for it, but we're going to have to deal with it like right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I was telling you that on our last podcast that I was supposed to fly to Dallas. Right. I mentioned that. Yeah, I remember on that. April, on April the 2nd. But right now, I don't know if we're going to fly down there or not. <laughs> we still have time to uh, up to 24 hours to uh, cancel our flights. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a little bit tricky right now. Yeah. And so nobody wants to get out there. I mean, you know, we're washing hands constantly and using wipes. I mean, in Indianapolis, Lynn went over to Kroger's. I mean, people are hoarding things. This is another thing. When people get afraid, they start hoarding things. They don't think reasonably right. as if, you know, we got to go buy up all the damn toilet paper. <laughs> oh, I'm still baffled on that. Yeah. What, yeah. The sh- yeah. what the shit do people need with all that toilet paper? Yeah, I, I can't figure the toilet paper thing out myself. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do you need a hundred rolls of toilet paper for? <laughs> I don't get it. There's, there's, in our I, local Kroger's, there's no bread. There's no eggs. Yeah. There's hardly any milk. The shelves are, yeah. the shelves are, Damn near empty. 
Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the the it was almost like when the big storm's going to hit in Indiana. Right, right. That, for Indianapolis, a big storm is four inches. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so mm-hmm. big storm's going to hit. So all these people are going and grabbing up everything. And so that's causing panic buying. Okay. People are on, on edge because of, you know, thinking they're going to get sick. Right. People don't know they don't have any trust in the federal government because the federal, you know, the federal government, not because it's a swamp, because the leadership of the federal government. Yep. Yep. So we're kind of in purgatory. We're in Dante's Inferno. We're in purgatory. Yeah. Now, these these couple of ladies here, uh, I think it was Friday, or they got into a fist fight in Costco. Oh Lord! <laughs> I mean, they're literally punching and swinging, man, in Costco fighting over i forgot it was either uh water bottled water or something man they just came to blows and uh this one friend of mine he uh he went to costco to pick up some supplies for the church and some of the elderly citizens at the church he goes to and so he sees the water it's stacked up plenty of water he's on his way to to get the water and this lady comes flying by him with her cart hits him with her cart and she just keeps going so he's like, what the hell? She, Didn't you see me here? Can't you say excuse me or something? She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to get water. I got to get water. He's like, the water's right there. You can see there's plenty of water. You know, what? you don't need to be rushed. <laughs> I mean, but that's the level that people are, are they're angry, they're, uh, they're panicky. And uh, this is this is set off a chain reaction, man, for a lot of things. I was in the commissary on the base yesterday and I went to get a loaf of bread, man. No bread on the shelves. None. (laughs) (laughs) None. So all we can do, man, is wait and see, you know, how this is going to go. But, yeah, we're we're in some difficult times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult times. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, let's see what else were we going to talk about. Let's segue well, into. Um, we had a we had a debate last night. <laughs> oh yeah, we had a debate. You know yeah. what? I kind of I did not watch the debate, but I tell you what I did like about it is that it was two people. It reminded me of Kennedy and Nixon. Yeah, yep. two people, no audience, no one had to try to pull someone's attention or right. try to try to uh, try to get the crowd on their favor it was two people yeah. and the moderators and they had simple effective questions yeah. that i saw from the re- from the uh yeah. replay of it yeah. that's the way every debate should be just yeah. get those people out of there put no audience there and just let the people debate yeah. prepare. That was the best debate I've seen yeah. in decades because I, I it was two people. Yep, yeah, I have to agree. I watched it. Uh, I watched it from beginning to end and I was, I was leery at first, like, okay, no audience and just the moderators. But man, it was very effective. Yeah. And you just get to the points, get to the points and let's discuss the issues. And that way people could see these two people. And then, you know, people can see, you know, who is who is the better contestant, per se. Uh, I thought it was great. I, I thought Biden did a great job. Uh, I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan, but but I mean, he's very good at getting his point across. 
you know, explaining his points. He's very well read. You can tell he's very well read about whatever topic he's talking about. But I thought it was, yeah, it was one of the best debates I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it, the yeah. re- replays of it, because I just got the snippets of it. Last night I was busy doing some other things, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, it was good. The questions were very timely. A lot of the focus was on coronavirus. And, uh, you know, how would you handle it if you were the commander in chief, this type of thing? Those, there were a lot of those type of questions. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just, you know, let's talk facts. And, and it was great. It was great, man. One of, one yeah. of the best, best debates we've had this year. Yeah, I mean, the last time that we were we had our podcast, we were talking about Super Tuesday. Yep, I mean, yep. we we were we we have our uh, we Skype on Sundays, and then that next Tuesday uh, was when Super Tuesday happened. And so, I mean, I I could have swore that I saw Lazarus rise up from the dead because <laughs> old Joe, old Joe just rose up and he took took out the the competition on Super Tuesday, in which it it goes back to the point that we were making uh, a couple weeks ago, is that why are we starting in Iowa and why are we starting in New Hampshire and places like that as opposed to, and, and, and why are we doing caucuses as opposed to just do the primaries and get those things over with and you can narrow you know, from 22 people down relatively quickly. And the other good thing that happened is that the majority of the candidates in the last debate, the majority of them endorsed Joe Biden. And by doing and by doing so, those people started coalescing around who they think will be the would have the best shot of beating the occupant. That's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. So I think that was a positive. And now we have uh, primaries to take place this Tuesday. I know a couple of um, uh, states said that they're moving their primaries back to June. I don't understand why they do that, because I think if you wait until June, then you got another month before the uh, before the convention. Right, I think right. that's a little bit close. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, who knows if this Corona thing is still going to be going on in June. So are they going to move it back even further? Right, right, so you're right. not we may not have a a candidate by June. You know what I mean? We right. may uh, uh, one or the other may not have all the points by then. But if you do it now, go ahead and get people out and let them vote and so on. Let them go in one at a time and keep them, you know, six feet apart or whatever. Yeah. Let them vote. Give everybody handy wipes when they walk in and you know, okay. put spray and wash the hands before and afterwards and take the yeah. temperature and all that stuff on the way in. Yeah. And then we could have this thing settled by by June. Yeah. Who's going to be the nominee? That's but that was that's a big thing right there. You know, the, the debates came around and uh, I think uh, Joe Biden had a pretty decent debate the last time uh, previous to the debate last night and so and then uh Clyburn from south carolina endorsed him and that made a big difference right there that that opened the floodgates because uh you know once 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 he announced hey i'm 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 riding with joe biden then everybody else just sort of like okay yeah but you know we all knew that he was going to win south carolina we knew that what we didn't know was the fact him winning South Carolina 
was a domino effect, and he just cleaned up in places where he wasn't expected to. Yeah. And it, it says something. I, I think what people like about Joe Biden, and it, it, it's come to pass here, because now he's winning these states. He won those states where Bernie Sanders was supposed to clean up. But a lot of those people who voted Bernie in 2016 because they didn't like Hillary Clinton are now voting for Biden. And and Biden is doing he's he's doing he, I, I know he's going to do well with with black voters, but he's getting suburban college educated white women voting for him. OK, he, he's getting groups that, again, they voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016. And so um, I, I'm like, yeah, let's get it over with. And I think the DNC probably wish they had made a few folks drop out long before they did. Yeah. Because we probably wouldn't be in this situation. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Joe Biden, if he stays the course, he will be the nominee. And uh, he committed last night to picking a woman for his running. VP, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I, I, I kind of caught the snippets of it is that Bernie Sanders – this time, this go round, I think he's not going to be so objectionable to the person that wins. If Joe Biden wins it, I think Bernie is going to have his people to jump on that bandwagon. I think he was hesitant last time and some of his people, you know, were pissed off that he didn't get the nomination. You know, Bernie boys, whoever you want to call them. Right, right. And well. they didn't vote. And or they chose uh, the other uh, lady. I can't think of her name now. That ran in the last presidential election. So that split. That split that vote. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. allowed allowed uh, the occupant to win. Yeah. You know, Michigan yeah. and to win Wisconsin. Yeah. And and Amy Klobuchar's basic Klobuchar basically said, "I'm going with Biden." So. You know, she's got some pull up in, in, in Minnesota, or Wisconsin, or where she's from. Yeah. That may help. Absolutely. You know? and, and, yeah. and the occupants is going to make enough stupid decisions that it's going to drive some people uh, the other way. And when they finally figure out that he's not really looking out for their benefit and all their kids are going to have we're going to talk about school lunches here in a second all their kids are staying at home now and they got to figure out what to do with child care they got to yeah. figure out all those farms out in iowa and places like that because of the trade wars that he had uh going on with china and so on they're losing all that money they're taking out more loans and so on so they're in debt their 401ks are, are starting to to drop now because of the stock market. So all these things are adding up. And I think that it's going to make a difference in this next election. At least I, I hope that it does. Oh, yeah. And and the final thing to deal with elections is that I'm talking to my people in Kentucky. You yeah. got to get rid of Moscow Mitch. Yeah. yeah. Drag somebody to the polling place. Drag yeah. somebody to get registered. Take them carpool get on your bicycle get your radio flyer and pull their ass to the that's polling right. place that's so they right. can vote that's <laughs> right. i saw amy mcgrath commercial the other day oh really yeah i saw amy mcgrath ad 
Uh, and I'm like, wow, there's there's a Kentucky ad on. It was came on Colorado TV. It just came up. That's and cool. she was talking about, you know, we need to get, you know, get rid of Mitch McConnell and those like him in the Senate. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, push, pull, whatever you got to do to get to the polls. And uh, all our Kentucky friends, um, you got to make it happen, man. It, it's time to clean house of all these people that are standing in the way of this country truly being what it's supposed to be. You've got too many people that are making decisions that only benefit themselves. And we can clearly see it. We can clearly see that these people don't care nothing about no one but them. And so I think it's time. It's been time. We need to clean house of the Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams, all these people that suck up to the current occupant every day. They lie for him. They deflect for him. We need to clean house and get rid of these folks. So all our good Kentucky friends, we're counting on you. We're <laughs> counting on you. And every out there. Hardin County, Meade County, Oldham County, Taylor Breckin County. Ridge. Breckin Ridge. We can't go through all 20, 120 of them. We need y'all to get out there and vote and, 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 and make a change for the state of Kentucky. All right? Do that yes, for sir. Please. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The other the other segue we're going to make here is, um, you know, I, I talked a little bit earlier in the in the program about having to have an emergency board school board meeting in order to allow uh, hourly workers to be paid while they are, you know, told not to go to work for the next three weeks. Well, at the same time, we set up um uh, situation where we were providing food, uh, lunches for kids that are uh, in need for food, whatever, uh, whatnot. And so that's the next little segue that we want to talk about. Now, our township, uh, the school district that I work in, you know, when I first got there, Wayne, it was probably 95% white and you know, 5% minority. Well, right now it's 56% white and 40, I mean, 56% minority. Whoa. And um, the other is white. So it has met some major changes going on. And a lot of that, of course, is white flight. Everybody wants to go right. north or south and so on. But we still have the same kids that we have to educate. So when I went, I went over to the school today, I, I go over there and, and lift weights three days a week. So after I finished lifting, you know, they had um, a, a drive up where uh, parents could come by and pick up lunches for uh, students that were at home. You know, uh, parents had to figure out, you know, what to do with their kids, pay extra fees for sitters uh, and also have to feed them. Um, because, you know, the school lunches, our school district gave them breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then after school, they also provide them with another snack or something if they're involved in extracurricular activities and so on. We do that throughout the summer. So we started, uh, today to do that, uh, from 11, 11 a.m. to noon. So people can come by and pick up food. We didn't care if there were students, if there are students at a different 
district or somebody just walked in off the street. They want something. They just come by there and get food. You know, and when we were when we were growing up, when school was out, that was on our parents. Absolutely. School district didn't feed us. No. (laughs) What what do you think about that? Yeah. My wife and I are talking about that tonight because, you know, we were watching the nightly news and they were interviewing, you know, these parents who said, well, now the school's out. uh, I I don't know what I'm going to do to feed my child. And I'm like, what? So, you know, Valley View, you know, we went as we talked one of the earlier podcast episodes. If you if you lived on our side of the tracks uh, in the bottom and on the hill, most everybody went to Valley View. If you were in the first of the sixth grade, I think Valley View went to the sixth grade at the time. Might have went to the seventh. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I remember I do remember that around nine, nine o'clock in the morning, um, depending on whose job was, some of the older students would bring around the milk and cookie cart, yeah. you know, and you'd pay like a dime or something like that, and you have milk and cookies in the morning, and then you'd have lunch. Well, school let out at 2.30. When we walked from Valley View down the bottom back home, get home around quarter to three or something like that, the school is no longer responsible for me. And when it's time to eat dinner, my mama said, well, let me take you back over here to Valley View and have that <laughs> I mean, no, that was on our parents. I, I don't know when that changed, man. You know, we, we were talking about high school. You know, people had free lunch, lunch tickets and whatnot. And then people that right. didn't have free lunch, like you said, there were crap games going on. <laughs> you know, yeah. People were, were, were gambling for lunch tickets and that type of thing. So you and you ate breakfast at home. You got right. lunch at school, and then you know you you might buy you something you know a little afternoon for the afternoon snack. You might buy something in the cafeteria during lunch to munch on in the afternoon. But once school let out, the school let no food. That was it. That was yeah. it. You know, so I, I'm I'm confused, man. I'm I'm missing something here. Yeah, because we uh, go ahead, go ahead. It's like we have. We have, and, and what's what my wife Cynthia said is like what this shows. She said, "What you know? What this shows us? It shows us that we have started using the schools to be babysitters for our kids. To right. be babysitters for our kids. Um, you know, parents are saying, well, school's out. Schools are saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my child to keep her, to keep her, him or her occupied. That's like hell, man. And then we we eat breakfast. My mom say." Now go outside and play. I mean, you go outside and play. <laughs> go find yeah. your friends, whatever. But my mom went like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with y'all this summer. Go get a summer job. Go outside and play. Go do something. But you ain't going to be sitting up here in the house. In, this, in the house. Right. I'm not entertaining you. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So, well, I remember I the same same thing, man. It, it, it's it, breakfast in the morning. Hey, we got breakfast in the morning. Went to school, and you know, as you mentioned before, that there were people that were on uh, free and reduced lunch even yeah. back at Etown High School. We're talking yeah. high school now, yeah. and they were given a five lunch tickets yes. each week, and that would give them a free a free lunch. And I mean, a lunch you had a regular lunch right. that you know they had you know mashed potatoes or green beans and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then they had an arlock a la carte line in which you could get French fries and yeah. man, those little Debbie, those little Debbie uh, pecan pies. Yeah, man. Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah. Those, we, those were the we, joints. We, we, we used to get those, man, and, and, a, and a carton of chocolate milk. <laughs> and drink and the it, chocolate milk and eat the pecan pies, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it and I think I ate fries just about every day. Yeah, a lot and, of people and, would go to the a la carte line, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and you you could get some pizza and so yeah. on. Like, yeah. when they put the fries on, they pile the fries up. Oh, it wasn't absolutely. just a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, the people that, that got the free and reduced lunch and got the uh, uh, five lunch tickets uh, each day, every Monday morning, we would go into the uh, library and they would gamble. We would shoot we would shoot craps in order to get lunch tickets. Now, my parents, we didn't get I didn't get lunch tickets, but I always had lunch tickets. Yeah. And then I would <laughs> I would sell the lunch tickets to the people that lost their lunch tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or you yeah. have some people, man, that have like ten or fifteen lunch tickets, you know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and here, and there's a few, there's a few people that would go all week and like, man, what am I gonna eat? And right. of course, <laughs> we felt sorry for them, and we we threw them some lunch tickets. Right. I didn't, I didn't get lunch tickets, but right. I gave lunch tickets away, you know. Right. But yeah, there's there's a the idea that we should feed these kids all the time and it's not up to the parents now, I can see, I could see part of that. I, I really do. You know, we have a huge refugee uh, uh, population in, in our township. A lot of people came from Burma or the Chin population. And these, these people are, you know, they're recent refugees and there's, it's hard for them uh, to make it sometimes. However, but once they do make it, they 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 do well. Yeah. Uh, like everything else, when they first started to arrive, it's probably ten or twelve years ago. When they first started to arrive in the United States, and they were, you know, uh, a church started to go over there and really started saving these people's lives because they were Christians living in 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 Myanmar or Burma. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. they were literally running for their lives. They would go spend time in Indonesia, or whatnot, and then they would make it to the United States. So there's a pipeline open in our township, and so that's how they got here. And some of those people, they didn't, they they got off the the plane. They didn't speak any English whatsoever. Uh, they had little or no food, and we had people that were upset with them coming coming to the township. And that's when the, that's some of the white flight that that happened is that, you know, I don't want my kid to hang. Not, it wasn't I don't want my kids to hang with their kids or anything like that. It was that my kids don't have any relationship with their kids, hmm. you know, which is is asinine, because if you take a soccer ball and throw it amongst 200 kids, they're going to kick the soccer ball around if right. they if they never spoke a word of English, they'll know what the hell the soccer ball was was used to. And so some of that flight that has taken place, you know, is because of that issue. And being a public school, we take those people in and we go, we're going to work with them. We're going to try to make them good citizens. Right. And so it's, it's a shame that, you know, that it's come to that, but it has come to that where the school districts, the school systems are now responsible for feeding their kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's major major change from whence we were kids growing up in the in the public school system. But you know, and it, it's it's not to slight anybody because you know everyone is not as fortunate as some others. Right. And uh, and if and if the school is able to do that, but we do place place a huge burden on the school. You got to teach my kid. You gotta sometimes uh, dress my kid. You gotta feed my kid. I mean, the school. I mean, it's 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 morphed into something that it wasn't really designed to be at some point. You know, we we got a lot of, you know, yes, we got book education, book learning from the school, but we got a lot of life lessons too. And I think the school is good for that, getting those life lessons. But now we've put so much responsibility on the schools. Uh, I, you know, what, what do parents do now? Right. And, and, and the other thing that goes along with that, you know, life lessons is that right now everything is, is based on test scores yep. and we're, yep. we're forgetting the fact that we need to be mentors to these kids as well. You know what I mean? Um, to make them into good citizens, you have to get to know them. This was like when we were going through school, we knew our teachers, our teachers knew us. Right. You know, it wasn't so much that we had to pass a specific test and so on. Yeah, we had tests, but the teachers knew us, knew where we lived, knew about our families yeah. and so on. Right now is that I've got this to do. I have to get from point A to point B and along the way, this is where you have to go as well. So we don't really know right. who our, our students really are. And right. sometimes it's, I mean, I, I say that from the high school perspective, that the elementary, elementary school perspective is the total opposite. You know, Lynn taught first, second and third grade, and it's just the opposite. She knew the parents and all that, but from a high school perspective is that we don't really have to do that much yeah. we don't have to nurture as much but we still have to get to know the, the students right. and hopefully they become productive productive citizens yeah you know and then, yeah even in you know in, in going you know e-town high um you know when charles rollins was principal charles rollins knew my mama he, he would call her in a heartbeat you know and uh a lot of teachers probably knew your mom Teachers knew our knew they knew people around town that knew us. They knew right. an uncle or somebody like that that could have some influence over our lives. And 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 now I like you say that's that's missing as you know we get into the junior high and the high school levels. That's missing because you know parents are just so busy. I, I I'm just like wow, have things changed yeah. that much? to where we put so much burden on the school to pretty much raise our kids now. And, and the other thing is that in, in the state of Indiana, they don't pay school teachers shit. Wow. They, don't, they don't pay them anything. You could literally, the way they set up the system now, that you have a base salary, and that base salary is, say, $42,000, you know, 45 years ago, that's a lot of money. Right. But today, $42,000 is just a little bit over minimum wage. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And so you could start as a teacher as a first year and start at 42000 and then you're evaluated. 
at the end of that evaluation, you know, you may be uh, an effective teacher or highly effective teacher. And then they will give you money on top of the 42 that you're going to work, you know, that rest of the year. But your base salary never changes. So it's possible that you stay at 42,000 and they chip in, you know, $500 here or $1,500 extra here each year, but your base salary doesn't change. Wow. And you could do that for 30 years. Man, so we, teachers, oh. teachers, you know, had a big walkout and stuff yeah, like right. that, you know, downtown and there's red for ed. And, you know, the teachers were saying that we need to be paid and so on. And there's still some issues out there dealing with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the government, state governments don't want to pay teachers bottom line. And yeah. the, the idea of education now is, I mean, it's, it's totally different than the way we are. So you don't really get to know those kids. You don't get those personal right. personal contacts anymore. So yeah. On. yeah. I mean, we have got to do we have got to do right by the people, especially now. The people who spend the bulk of our bulk of their time with our kids are the, the school system, and we pay them crap. We want them to do all the extraordinary things for our kids, and we don't want to pay them anything. And uh, at some point, society—well, we're already reaping the benefit of you know people not being valued for the jobs that they do within society. It's the jobs that seem to mean the most in society that don't make crap. And at some point we got to change that. Yeah. You know, we, 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 you know, we, we're both into sports and I, you know, I have nothing against someone who, whose, whose talent has allowed them to play a sport at the highest level. But I, somebody needs to explain to me why this guy who can catch a football or dunk a ball in, in various ways, why do they need to make $30 million a year? You know, versus why isn't this teacher just as important? They're inputting things into your child day in and day out, and you pay them barely minimum wage. Something's wrong with that picture. And it has been for a long time. We, we value the wrong things in society. Right. And, and, and we're reaping the benefit of that every day. Because the people who do the jobs that mean so much to society, a lot of them are like, you know, I don't need this. You know, I can go over here and make a lot more money doing this when they truly love teaching or they love social work or they love those jobs that, you know, they, they keep society moving. But uh, they're like, you know, what? I, I got to live, too. Right. So. Right. You know, we we give tax breaks to the very, very wealthy, and we do nothing for the people that are struggling every day. Right, right. And that's the other thing that's that's really upsetting me is the fact that you got all these businesses that are making all this money and giving all these tax breaks and so on, and they're not chipping in. Nope. nope. You know? Nope. They're not chipping in. They they should be chipping nope. in in order to get, get some of that money to the people that need it. Yep. I mean, just think all these hundreds of thousands of people that are laid off now because of this virus, you know, they should be chipping in. They should be paying those people's Absolutely. salaries and so on. Absolutely. And and I, I th- th- this could be this could be a chance for America to take a look at itself in the mirror 
and take a long, hard look and see, you know, we need to change our ways. There's a there's an old uh, Frankie Beverly and Mays song. Uh, and tre- speaking of Frankie Beverly, 50 years in the music business. Uh, yes, sir. 50 years of Frankie Beverly and Mays. But they, but they have a song called Change Our Ways. Yes. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's so apropos to where we find ourselves today. We need to take a long, hard look in the mirror, the United States of America, and we need to change our ways, man, or we are going to be doomed. And I think the virus is, is, is our opportunity to do that. It's our opportunity to correct a lot of the wrongs that that are done to people and, you know, the fact that people struggle and, and we're the richest country on the planet. Why are people homeless? Why are people starving? You know, I could go on and on because yeah. it's something that I feel extremely strong about that, you know, we, we, we can do better, man. We can do better. And until we take that long, hard look, we're just going to keep repeating the cycle. So the virus Whenever it, it, it runs its course and think life returns to normal back in the U.S., we'll forget this. Right. We'll forget this and we'll go back to treating people like crap and the, the rich will continue to get richer. The poor will continue to get poor. And, and, and that's, that's how we'll continue to roll. But I, I'm hoping that there's a, a day of reckoning here for, for the United States of America. So I agree with you, man. You know, uh, that, that's how I feel about it. And, and now, I think now is the time. I think now is the time to focus on what, what can we do to, to make the lives of our citizens better. And, uh, and, and let's do that. Let's, let's do that collectively and, and make it happen. So, yes, sir. Uh, you know, great discussion tonight. We're a little bit past the top of the hour, but man, this was great. This it was, was good. We could go on and on and on. <laughs> this was great. To the break of dawn. To the break of dawn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to the break of dawn. But uh, great, great discussion. And uh, you know, we're 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 living in some some I won't say perilous, but we're living in some uh, very uncertain times. We don't know what the virus is going to do where it's headed, what's next. But I think we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity here. And the, 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 the big question is, are we going to take it? Are take, we going advantage, to- take, take advantage of this opportunity to make changes. To make changes, yes. To make that, changes. That, we need yes. that. Yeah. To, to know, make- and and I, I pray that not too many people uh, get sick and, and pass from this. Yeah. And we can only hope that the, the federal government gets this act together yeah. and uh, is able to help people from both sides of the track, help the poor, yeah. help the yeah. indigent, That's and right. be able to get the test out there where people can figure out if they're sick or not. Right. And uh, so that we can we can continue to move on and hopefully uh, this economy will return and Businesses return and people gets back to their normal livelihood, but it's going to be a while. It may be oh, yeah. several months. So yeah, uh, that's yeah. where we are. Yeah, where we. Yeah. That's where we find ourselves today, on the sixteenth of March, twenty twenty. So yes, sir. So you got it. You got two small town individuals from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Uh, we're we're spitting our truth tonight. <laughs> and we're going to continue to move forward, and hopefully things will be on a positive note as we move on into the, the next episode.
the next episode. Absolutely. So until we meet again. Till we meet again. I'm Steve. I'm Wayne. And we are out of here. Out. Out.